Lots of people still talking about what happened last Friday in Grand Prairie when Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland uh, was verbally cursed out in the Grand Prairie City Hall. Christia, yes. what the f*** are you doing in Alberta? You f***ing traitor, f***ing Get the f*** out of this province. You don't belong here. It's still baffling to me that a human would think you could walk up to somebody and just drop F-bombs like we just heard in that audio there. That's that's such a head-scratcher. It's such a basic human courtesy thing to in your mind say, that's actually not a good choice to make. But I digress here. RCMP say they are now investigating to see if charges will be laid in connection with that video that you've all seen now on social media. Uh, anyone who listened to this show yesterday clearly knows what I think about it. I think it was A, abusive, B, disrespectful, C, clearly premeditated, and it was way, way over the line of what should be considered acceptable, and I think it was far beyond a person simply expressing an opinion about what they thought about a deputy prime minister. Many of you have texted in condemning what happened. Many of you have also texted in saying you think the guy did nothing wrong. So the question we're exploring right now is, did anything criminal happen in that audio? And if not, what's the threshold that has to be met for a charge to be laid? You know, if someone purposely seeks you out to verbally abuse you like this. Christian, yes. what the f*** are you doing in Alberta? You traitor's Is there anything criminal in what happened in Grand Prairie? That's where our next guest comes in on the drive. Balfour Durr is joining us this afternoon. Balfour is a criminal defense attorney, has 37 years of criminal law experience. He's the founder of Durr Barristers. He was also senior trial counsel at one point in his career uh, with the Crown Prosecutor's Office here in Calgary. That was from 1981 to 1990. Uh, Balfour, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, I guess I have to ask you, ask you off the top here, Balfour. Uh, can someone walk around and just start verbally cursing at someone? Ted, have you ever been to a Flames game? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you're cursing the other team. Sometimes we're cursing the home team. Fair. Um, so yes, I, I mean, so much of this, and this is this is. Um, not a lawyer's answer, but it is the answer. It depends on the circumstances. Okay. And so with what happened with Ms. Um, Freeland, um, I looked at some sections of the criminal code that could apply. So there actually is a ch charge in the criminal code called criminal harassment. Uh, but that's, that's based on someone um, or causing someone to fear for their safety or the safety of some other person known to them so it's um there is that always that basis to it and, and harassment could be by by falling you know stalking this is a section that was put in for stalking yeah or um harassing phone calls continuously repeated repeatedly communicating with a person when they've been told you know leave me alone and it it also um though includes uh threatening conduct to another person and it, it isn't necessarily threatening conduct that has to be repeated. The threatening conduct, other parts of it, um, you know, if you're harassing someone by stalking, it requires you to do it more than one time for it to be stalking. Um, but the um, threatening conduct could be a one-time event. So I'm sure um, 
Mrs. Freeland may have thought that this was uh, threatening to her, or maybe she didn't. Maybe she's used to it, and, and this isn't something that um, is unusual for her. So it's uh, th- that's something that could possibly be there. It's is a criminal harassment charge. If she fears for her safety um, by virtue of the conduct um, that this person did. So that's that's one potential charge under the criminal code. Of course, if there were threats uttered um, to you know the uh, the victim of this, if, if threats are uttered, then there is a charge of uttering threats. Yeah. And you know, th- there's another charge that could could possibly apply in this situation, and that is um, it, it's under a section called mischief, um, which includes damage to property, but there is, a, there is a subsection of this charge of mischief that deals with obstructing, interrupting, interfering with any person in the lawful use, um, enjoyment, or operation of property. So if what this person was doing was interfering with her elevator ride or her being in the hotel, um, that could be a criminal charge as well. So there are potentials. A lot of it depends on exactly what was said to her, um, and, and you know the again the circumstances. So if she were speaking in the big hall and there were hecklers, yeah, it'd be t- it'd, it'd be tough to make a criminal charge out of that unless someone there was specifically uttering threats to her. You know, when you're done speaking, yeah. I've got a gun and I'm going to shoot you, something direct like that. But but simple heckling. Um, you know, is not likely to do it a one-time event. Okay, so so for criminal harassment, the 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 fear factor—that's a key point there, right? That's correct. Okay. Yep. Okay, so so does the uh, you know, like if someone was to come up to me on the street and or the C train platform or whatever it happens to be, and it's a big giant human being who's just saying, "Ted, you're uh, you're a this and you're a that, and I don't like your show," and you know, get the f out of here. Um, uh, I, 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 like that probably would make me feel uncomfortable, but I don't think I would fear unless they came at me. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. If there was something in their conduct, which you felt threatened your safety. Yeah. Uh, then that charge of harassment may stick. So if the person's there and he's got a, a Louisville slugger, a baseball bat in his hand, you know, sure. and he's sort of, you know, hitting the palm of his hand with it, um, that could be uttering threats, that could be harassment, that could be a number of things. You know, if some guy's standing 10 feet away from you and expresses his displeasure with your show, that's nah, not likely going to fit in there. Okay, interesting. Uh, the mischief side of things, though, um, uh, if someone does interrupt me, say I'm at a Stampeders game and I'm there with my family and I'm trying to just have a good afternoon watching the Stamps play, if someone consistently starts, you know, verbally berating me, is that in the realm of mischief, for example? Well, you know, it could be. Yeah. It very well could be because, and you're you're right about this, you um, um, that it's interrupting or interfering with you in the lawful use enjoyment of property. It, yeah. you know, it's it's the football game. I'm there. It's it's property. Um, so you, you you're there. You're licensed to be there. You've paid to be there, and someone's interfering um, with your use of that property. In other words, you're trying to watch the game. That's yeah, your use of the property. So that that could um, that could very well fit in.
Okay, uh, that's part one of my conversation with Balfour Durer. I recorded it, by the way, earlier today, just because of scheduling reasons. But so far, we've learned that criminal harassment may be a possible charge coming out of this. Mischief may be a possible charge coming out of this. A couple of people on the CHQR text line texting and saying, Ted, what about an, a disturbance, or, or sorry, a charge of causing a disturbance? Uh, one person texting in who is a police officer, 20-year veteran, says causing a disturbance is, is the, allegator, the charge that he would be looking at. He says it's Section 175. Everyone who, not being in a dwelling or house, causes a disturbance in or near a public place, that was in a city hall of Grand Prairie, or by fighting, screaming, shouting, swearing, singing, or using insulting or obscene language, or by being drunk, or by impeding uh, or, or molesting other persons, that's obviously not wrong here, or openly exposes or exhibits an indecent exhibition in a public place. So that, too, may be... A charge coming out of this. Does the person being verbally abused matter when it comes into these things? And again, here's part two of my conversation with Balfour Durr, a very well-respected criminal defense attorney in the province of Alberta. Uh, no. Okay. No, everyone has the same protection under the criminal code. So it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity, if you're the prime minister, if you're a new Canadian who's... Um, you know, yeah been here a day it doesn't matter you everyone gets that same protection under the criminal code ah very good okay and and um so just getting back to what happened regarding christia freeland the deputy prime minister um rcmp have said that they are looking into it now um we don't know the result they've just started their investigation um does the victim have to cooperate with police for something to actually happen you know what i mean because there has to be the other side right yes um, okay Ordinarily, ordinarily, the victim, we call them complainant. Sure. Um, we don't know their victim until the case is finally fair, finished. Fair. Um, but the complainant or, or victim, that's an easy way to put it, um, generally speaking, does cooperate, does make a statement, um, but they, they don't have to. Like a person could say, this happened to me, but I'm not interested in a charge being laid. Now, the police can still lay a charge even if the complainant does not want it to be laid. So the, the complainant actually has no authority over the police to have them lay a charge or not lay a charge. That's totally uh, up to the police. That's up to the police. police. may go along with what the complainant wants. Sure. Uh, in other words, not lay a charge. Um, but they do not have to. Okay. In, in fact, in fact... You, you, in some circumstances, you don't even need a complainant to to complain. Just think about a murder case. Yeah, fair. Fortunately, yeah. there is no yeah. complainant. The yeah. complainant is dead, but charge can be laid. Yeah. Um, ordinarily, you know, the the complainant has some say in it. You know, this happened to me, but look, I'm you know I'm just passing through. I'm not interested in coming back, being a witness or anything yeah. like that. So. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not fine with it, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, and yeah. and the police the police would no doubt go along with that. Something more important, they may say, look, we appreciate that, but this is important enough. We we we're going to lay a charge. Balfour, I appreciate your input as always on issues like this. Thank you. 
You're very welcome, Ted. And that's Balfour Durr, criminal defense attorney, also former Crown Prosecutor, well-known criminal defense attorney, 37 years in criminal defense in the province of Alberta, uh, with his thoughts as to what happened in Grand Prairie and the possibility of charges coming out of that. Many people texting in saying there's no threat, there was nothing done wrong. You know what? If you feel, if you fear for your safety, as Balfour said in his experience of criminal defense, if you fear for your safety, a single event like someone cursing you out like that guy did in Grand Prairie to Christia Freeland, that could lead to a criminal harassment charge. If you interfere with someone doing something lawful, like she was in City Hall in Grand Prairie, and you start cursing somebody out like that, that could lead to a charge of mischief. If you do and start cursing somebody out in a public space like that, according to a police officer who texted into the CHQR text line, said it could be a charge of causing a disturbance. Section 175, subsection 1, subsection A. So we could see charges coming out of that. As much as you wish that it was okay and you want the emotion of someone cursing out the deputy prime minister because you don't believe in her politics, it could be a criminal offense. And I've already had people texting in saying, oh, yeah, the Justin Trudeau, corrupt RCMP, yada, yada. Really? <laughs> you really think the RCMP? Okay, it's funny, right? Okay, all of a sudden, you know what? Yeah, he might have did something criminal. Okay, yeah, maybe. But now it's a corrupt RCMP. Come on. He chose to do what he did. He chose the words to say. He chose to record it and to put it up on social media where the evidence could be if police wanted to use it against him. Will we see charges? I don't know. Did he do something wrong? 100%. In my world, I do not want people cursing out people randomly just because they do not agree with their point. This is a big week, kids, tens and thousands of them, maybe your children or grandchildren, heading back to school this week. Yeah, it's one of those years, you know. Classes resume before the Labor Day long weekend. How are preparations going in school? What can kids and parents expect this upcoming year? For some perspective, we're joined by Dr. Brian Zumlis this afternoon. Dr. Zumlis is Chief Superintendent with the Calgary Catholic School District. Dr. Zumlis, thank you so much for being here. Hey, no problem. It's great to be here, Ted, and I uh, want to say a big hello to all of the listeners today. Yeah. And are you and your teachers ready? Full disclosure, lots of kids, uh, kids with lots of energy, like my seven-year-old heading into grade three, they're super pumped about being heading back to class this week. We are definitely ready. Our teachers are just as ex and staff are just as excited as our students. And you know, there's another group that's excited too, and that's our parents. I think our parents, you know, <laughs> being at home with the kids over the summer holidays, they can't wait for their children to go back to school as well. Exactly. I hear you. <laughs> you can put a check mark beside my name for that one. <laughs> um, now, now, uh, Doctor Zumlis, I was looking on the website. The Catholic School District's calendar says that this Thursday and Friday is um, uh, labeled as like a staggered entry. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, so this is something that we began at the beginning of COVID, and we think like through COVID, uh, that was a terrible pandemic, and, but it was an opportunity for us to reflect upon practices and to improve and just not to continue doing things just because they've always been done that way. And when it comes to staggered entry, it means that smaller groups of students come to school. And when we have a smaller group of students in front of our staff for the first uh, couple of days, it allows the teachers and staff to 
form relationships, better relationships to get to know the families better. And then next Tuesday, all of the students come back to school in every grade. Uh, right now with staggered entries, it really is specific to each school. So a small school may do it differently than a much larger school. Okay, so parents should be looking to, you know, emails and communication for direction, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. good stuff. Uh, Dr. Zumlis, you brought up COVID. Thankfully, it seems to be at bay, you know. Uh, but for parents and students, you know, the memory of, you know, masks and online learning, those thoughts may be on their minds. Uh, what types of COVID measures are uh, staying in place, you know, for the upcoming school year? Sure, and before we dive into that, I just want to thank all of our families out there for and our staff for the hard work of moving from in-person to online classes <laughs> and all of the restrictions that we've gone through over the past two and a half years. So thankfully, on June the 14th, all of the restrictions were lifted here in Alberta. Uh, however, once again, we learned through COVID. And so um, one of the things that we will continue to do is health checks. Like, it just makes sense. Like, it's common sense that in the morning we check our kids and if they're you know, vomiting or not feeling well, we're probably not, we should not be sending them to school, right? And then at school, our teachers, they will continue to monitor the health of students. In fact, the law says it goes in loco parentis. And what that means is our staff act in the absence of a parent. And so they're making decisions for the children at school. And so if a child has a little runny nose, not a big deal, everything's going to be fine. But if their nose is profusely running and they're coughing consistently and it can't be explained from allergies or other means, we're probably going to be phoning home and asking yeah. for the parents to pick up the child and take them home. Uh, yeah, right? I get it. And, and when you say health checks, Dr. Zimlis, do you mean like those questionnaires or is this just like a visual type of thing? Yeah, no more questionnaires, nothing formal like that. We're just asking parents, you know, please, you know, check on the health of your children before you send them to us at school. The other COVID measures that we learned from that we will continue is hand washing. Like, mm. doesn't that make sense? That we build into <laughs> our schedules opportunities for kids to wash their hands. And same is true with sanitizing. Like, you know, it's important that we have uh, healthy workplaces, right? And so when I go out and visit schools, one of the things I notice is more and more families are sending little hand sanitizers in the lunch kits. And I would highly recommend parents that you do that. And so that your children just, it's a healthy habit. Like we want to teach good hygiene. And I think that is an outcome of the pandemic as well. Last one is masks, masks, no more, unless, you know, this is a choice. If, you know, for whatever reason, a family wants their child to wear a mask, then that uh, can happen at the school without any problems. We also know that Alberta Health um, they have recommendations that if you are, if you do test positive for COVID, that you stay home for five days of isolation and then five days in wearing a mask. And that's on uh, the Alberta Health website. Okay, okay. Lots of things to remember from that for sure. Chatting with Dr. Brian Zumlis this afternoon. Dr. Zumlis, the Chief Superintendent uh, with the Calgary Catholic School District. Kind of uh, getting the lay of the land, so to speak, as we count down to the start of the school year. Um, so, uh, Dr. Zumlis, uh, for, you know, older kids, like high school kids, um, or should they be expecting, you know, a return to, you know, regular exam schedules and that type of thing this year? Yeah, they should. And in fact, in June, they would have experienced regular exams yeah. back in June, right? And so as far as we know that that is the future. And so we want to return to a better normal and, you know, help students have those experiences to prepare them for whether they go to post-secondary or into our workforce, that they have those opportunities to fully participate in K-12 to education.
when it comes to sports teams and clubs and other, you know, uh, other kind of organizations and groups and, and hands-on learning, you know, like those awesome robotics programs and, you know, wood shop classes and, all, and music and art, they're all full hands-on stuff this year, right? Everything is good to go. There's awesome. only one exception, and that is international travel. And so we can st- continue to suspend international travel at this point for a variety of reasons. Uh, we can't control when children go to other countries what uh, COVID sure. criteria they may put in place. We don't ever want any of our students trapped in another country. And then there's insurance rates. There's a whole bunch of things that factor into this decision. But we'll, we'll revisit it. And But for the time being, we are still uh, not supportive of international travel yeah, for our students. Yeah, I yeah. fully understand that for sure. And parent-teacher conferences, are they going back to in-person this year? So this is another wonderful thing that we learned through COVID, and that is we had great feedback from our parents saying, you know what, I really appreciated the online experience because it was on time. I didn't have to drive and find a parking <laughs> spot in the winter snowstorm. Yeah. I didn't have to arrange babysitting for my younger children. And so I think what we, as we go forward, there'll be a blended approach. Like if a parent really wants to meet face-to-face, and we know face-to-face is the very best type of conversation, right? Then the school will facilitate that. But I think a majority of our parents are going to participate in the online experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I've done both. I've done the in-person where you're waiting outside the classroom and sometimes they're running behind. And I've done the, the you know, the phone call or the Zoom call. And I, 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 I like the convenience, to be honest with you, Dr. Zoomless. It's nice to do it remotely. And that's what we heard from people, too. So once again, this is a school-based decision, but I would think yeah. most of our administrators are going to be moving to uh, continue the online experience. Uh, that's Dr. Brian Zumalis, Chief Super- Superintendent with the Calgary Catholic School District. Tens of thousands of Calgary kids are heading back to school this week. And uh, good news. Uh, really good news, in my opinion, uh, knowing how involved my kids have been throughout their school careers. Uh, all local school field trips are back on this year. All sports teams are up and running, all clubs, in-person group activities, hands-on classes, you know, like robotics, woodshop, they're all back on. Uh, There will be a full exam schedule this year. Sorry if any students are listening. Schools will continue to be sanitized, and kids will continue with the hand-washing protocols. But by all accounts, COVID be damned, thankfully. It looks like this is going to be a regular school year. But what if your child or your grandchild is one of those kids who excelled in the at-home learning program. You know that program that started during the COVID pandemic and was an option for some kids to continue with last year. Is that still an option for this school year? Once again, here's Dr. Brian Zumlis, the Chief Superintendent with the Calgary Catholic School District. Yeah, we do have our... uh, Another wonderful thing that happened with COVID is we opened our very first online school. It's called St. Isidore. It services students in grades one to nine. And then we have St. Anne Academic Center, which services high school students. And so if uh, any family out there wants uh, an online education in Calgary Catholic, then they are to contact St. Isidore School. Uh, for grades one to nine and St. Anne Academic Center is also offering courses, online courses for students across Alberta. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's cool. That's new this year. In fact, and that's another, you know, opportunity that we moved into. There used to be a school in Alberta called Alberta distance learning that many families and students participated in, um, However, that uh, is no longer funded by the province. So here, Calgary Catholic has moved into the space of offering, you know, online courses with a Catholic flavor for any students in Alberta that would like that experience. 
Good stuff. Is, is there anything else we need to know, Dr. Zoomless, as we count down to the start of classes this week? Well, I want to do a shout out to and thank all of the parents for preparing and cooperating and working with their schools. I want to thank our staff for their hard work and gearing up. And of course, you know, students, I, I can't wait to see your smiley faces as you come back and enter our, our schools. We're really proud of the Catholic education that we offer here in Calgary as the largest Catholic board in Alberta. And uh, if I can end with this and share with everyone our mission and vision statement. So we live and learn in our Catholic faith so that our students centered in Christ can realize their full potential. Potential. And I think we do a really good job of it. And it's because of our people, our families, our students. So, Ted, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And I wish everyone all the best this upcoming school year. Dr. Zoomless, thank you so much for your time. Have a great upcoming school year yourself as well. Okay, take care, everyone. God bless. That's Dr. That's Dr. Brian Zoomless, Chief Superintendent with the Calgary Catholic School District. Kind of what you can expect as a parent or a student if you're heading back to a classroom uh, this week. And man, am I ever happy that all of those school field trips are back and the sports teams are up and clubs and in-group activities and all those hands-on classes like art and music and robotics and woodshop, they're all back on as per usual. Uh, as you heard uh, the, the chief superintendent saying there, the only thing, the only hiccup kind of remaining from COVID uh, is that international school trips are still on hold, at least with the Calgary Catholic School District, uh, until further notice. That's the only kind of hangover, so to speak, in air quotes, uh, from the COVID pandemic. There you go. School back this week. My seven-year-old, he's pumped. He is super pumped to go back to class. I don't remember being so pumped when I was that age, but that was a long time ago. afternoon according to well according to reports out of russia out of moscow mikhail gorbachev has passed away mikhail gorbachev of course ended the cold war without bloodshed i vividly remember this moment in 1919 i want to get my date correct here it was november it was november for sure november 1989 i remember this happening mr gorbachev open this gate and wait for it mr gorbachev tear down this wall yeah good friend of mine good friend of mine traveled to europe after he finished university and still to this day on his mantle has a chunk of the berlin wall well mikhail gorbachev actually was white-hatted in calgary it was a few years later it was in 1993, after he won the Nobel Peace Prize. Here's Mikhail Gorbachev receiving the white hat from then-Mayor Al Dewar. The white Stetson has been a symbol of Calgary for many years and has gained particular notoriety in the Calgary Stampede, one of the largest rodeos in North America. Mr. Gorbachev. that for the global news archive that was 1993 mikhail gorbachev receiving the white hat from then mayor al Dewar. how significant was mikhail gorbachev in forging relationships with the west that's what we're going to dig into right now on the drive i'd like to welcome uh, andrew rasselis to the show andrew's a fellow with the canadian global affairs institute andrew thank you so much for being here today 
You're very welcome, Pat. Thank you. Uh, did you know he was white-hatted here in the city of Calgary? Uh, I, I wasn't specifically aware of that. There you go. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for that fill-in. Uh, but uh, I, I will. I can relate to you that he was in 1983 with uh, Eugene Whalen, who had the green hat. Really? Uh, in his first, yeah, in his first visit as Minister of Agriculture, uh, uh, he came to Canada on a visit, and uh, Eugene Whalen was the Minister of Agriculture for Canada. And they met at his farm in southern Ontario. Really? And uh, there's a yeah, there's a very famous uh, meeting there. And when also the the Russian ambassador or Soviet ambassador, time Yakovlev was there, he's a reformist. And with a lot of the reforms that Gorbachev came back, and after uh, he was installed as premier of Russia in 1985, uh, he the, the experience in Canada shaped some of his reformist ideas. I did so not know very, that. A very important visit back in 1983. Okay, okay. And can you give us an example of some of the policies that he kind of took or maybe modeled a little bit after here, sure. us here in Canada? Sure. Well, it, when, when in, in 1983, uh, uh, Gorbachev uh, was aware, as, as was uh, many people in the Soviet system at the time, that the Soviet system was breaking. Um, they didn't know how to fix it. But they knew they had a problem, and so when when he was in Ontario and in Canada, he actually toured all of Canada, he began to develop ideas that that, that led to something called perestroika and glasnost. Perestroika meant re- reforms, or restructuring of the economy, and glasnost meant uh, freedom of speech. And these are two basic philosophical elements that, that developed in part through his visit to Canada. We saw how Canadians operated, and he thought somehow. If it could bring back these basic elements to the Soviet Union, that perhaps they could fix the system. And that's where this begins, you see. So in 1985, he becomes premier, and he begins this process of glasnost and perestroika. Uh, and and then this, that's the domestic side. But, of course, the external side is he ends the Cold War, as you mentioned in your introduction, in a peaceful manner. The meetings yeah. with Ronald Reagan, the reunification of Germany, the withdrawal of Russian or Soviet forces from Germany, all that sort of thing, you know. Um, but it, it, his first real foray in that is 1983 in Canada. It's fascinating. That's fascinating, Andrew. Thank you for that history lesson there. And, and I guess that speaks to um, just how um, uh, forward-thinking and how groundbreaking uh, Gorbachev was in forging these relationships with the West, right? Yes, he was. He was. He he, he really was outside the box because yeah. most uh, people would have expected that the Soviet Union. And people knew that he was in trouble, but we expected, uh, I mean, I was an official in the Defense Department at the time, we expected this could lead to a potential war uh, as the Soviet Union tried to save itself through kind of a, some kind of a limited war uh, of externalization of the problems. Um, and, and it didn't happen. And the fact that he was actually stood up and took initiatives like, uh, down, uh, like reducing Soviet ground forces in Europe through arms control, and he took the lead in the late 80s. I mean, I was working that file back then in Ottawa. Really? And that was a dramatic breakthrough. We didn't expect that. I mean, I never expected that. And I had to produce briefing notes to the minister to explain this, which was right outside the box. We didn't expect this. Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. And, and yeah. so, so, do you think that's do you think that's Gorbachev's legacy then? The, the relationships with the West and being that forward thinking and that outside of the box in in policy in the former Soviet Union. That's the positive side of it. Okay, of his legacy. He's a darling of the West. Yeah, uh, because for us, 
Um, he ended the Cold War. He did it peacefully, reunified Germany, so on and so forth. And we admire his reforms. But the flip side of that, if you're uh, a Russian today, uh, the, 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 the fact that the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991 and that the reforms led to, in fact, the chaos of the 90s under Yeltsin. Now, Gorbachev, long story, Gorbachev essentially was overthrown in the summer of 91. He comes back, but then Yeltsin essentially removes them breaks down the Soviet Union, and, and all you have all these countries becoming independent. Some are very happy about that. Some are not so happy about that. And you, you could actually argue that the war right now between Ukraine and Russia is a legacy of this breakup. It's unfinished business still, yeah. from some people's perspective. Now, and, and, and so some people uh, uh, bemoaned the collapse of the economy in the 90s. And you could argue, who could have done better? We certainly don't know that. But some people blame him for that inside of Russia. I see. And they blame him for the collapse of, of the Soviet Union, you see. So so from the West, he's a darling. Uh, from the East, it's a more of a mixed, from Russian point of view, it's a more of a mixed perspective. He is admired for taking steps to reform the, the Soviet system. Everybody knew it had to be reformed. The faults start to be applied, saying, well, he didn't do it right. He allowed the Soviet Union to collapse. Of course, it wasn't his fault completely at all. But but he carries some of that legacy inside of Russia today. Uh, you're uh, obviously um, uh, working on the file connected to Gorbachev. Do you have one memory that sticks in your brain, Andrew? <laughs> well, it's, I, I tell you, it's that one that I mentioned about the arms control. Yeah. It was December 7th, 1988. Okay. And I was in Ottawa during conventional arms control policy, and a message comes through saying that Gorbachev's unilaterally going to withdraw conventional forces from Germany. Uh, and I had to immediately come up with a briefing note to the minister to explain that, and I was fumbling. So I will always remember that. Uh, he stunned me. And, and that, that is my fearing moment of him. <laughs> very good. Very good. Andrew, thank you so much, as always, uh, for your time and, you know, sharing. You, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge, Andrew. Thank you so much, as always. <laughs> You're very welcome, Chad. Anytime. Have a great evening. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Andrew Russell, he's the guy when it comes to Canadian-Russian uh, relationships. That's for four. Andrew's former title is a fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Funny that that's the focus for his memory, right? Uh, for that mocus. And, and, and like it's funny for me, being a kid, a teenager of the 80s, this, Mr. Gorbachev, this is mine. Open this gate. <laughs> Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah. I vividly remember that. I vividly remember that, watching that on the news and that type of thing. And thanks to Josie texting and I had my year wrong. I said 89, uh, but it was 87, June 12th, 87, that Reagan said that. Uh, but she gives me a pass, she says, as, you know, as, as you know, online says Reagan's speech actually wasn't well known until the wall did actually fall in November of 89. And that's when it started getting replayed heavily in the news. So thanks, Josie, for the correction and the pass. I appreciate it. 911.